This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Let me welcome the legendary, the the author, producer, the, 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 oh my gosh, there's just so many accolades I can bestow on him, Mr. Chuck D. Let me welcome Chuck D. to the Karen Hunter Show. Hello, Karen Hunter. Hello, Chuck D. It's a pleasure uh, to finally catch up with you. My bad, my bad, my oh, bad. Oh, never. And, Let me tell you. I should have been uh, on here earlier. It's all right. It's it's right on time. You know, we have we've been circling each other, uh, social media and social and social life. Um, but you know, admirer, uh, I love your your focus, your energy. I've been rocking with you silently since you were on Air America. That's how long with with Rachel Maddow. That's how far back from a from a social justice standpoint I've been rocking with you. Of course, musically, Public Enemy. I mean, come on. But you know, you you have always converged you know the need to have to fight what's going on out there and using your platform to get the message out to the people i was born in the 60s i mean i've been following you ever since you know you made a a lot of us in hip-hop look literate like by writing their books so so anyway um i really you know am a product of my times and my parents and 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 my community so that's that's what it is it's like 40 years ago the sense that i think that i got was called common sense it wasn't really what people call deep today um but now we've gone to a point where sense isn't as common and maybe you have common nonsense and people that got their senses are lucky to hold on to them but now you got people who have their senses that are snatched and taken away Racism turning into fascism and back into racism again will snatch people, their souls, and also their senses. So I'm happy to have a piece of it. If I got a piece of it, I know something. Why not spread it? That's that's always been my point of view. And you're quite white, uh, right, uh, Karen, when you talked about um, fight the power being 40-plus years because when we made fight the power, it's fight league and do the right thing. It was the second fight the power. I was influenced heavily by the fight to power by the Osley brothers in 1974 and 1975, which spoke to the time right there, right on the, on the, on the disastrous cumber end of Nixon and, and mm-hmm. that administration and, and what the government has ran, ramshod through the people at the particular time. And Osley's was just plain simple and plain saying they were tired of all that bull ish going down. Do you think, you know, as, as we've come through these decades, we seen the land right back at the place where we're fighting. We were talking today about Breonna Taylor. They had a settlement, $12 million. And then we look at the white woman that was killed in Minneapolis by uh, Mohammed Noor, uh, who, who spent, who got sentenced really quickly by a jury to 12 and a half years in prison. And they settled for a record $20 million. You know, the value of our lives seemed to not ever increase uh, unless we're in chains or in bondage or um, unless somebody can make money. Is it time for us to, to rethink this uh, experiment here as, as participants? In it? And I'm not talking about from a voting standpoint, because I think as long right, as we're right. here, we're going to have to vote. We're going to have to fill out the census. We're going to have to, you know, protest. We're going to have to do all of the things as long as we're here. But is it, is it a uh, time for us to sit and re-strategize? You're in the Northern Hemisphere. You're in the belly of white supremacy. You have to stay woke, never sleep. It's just the way it is. And the the reason why, if you want to say a fight to power is relevant, sadly, 
relevant to 2020 is because people come and people go. People have been born since that record was done, that, that, that fight the power that we made, and people have died and transitioned. And a lot of older people in the last couple of years, especially this year, have transitioned on out. So you can never say, didn't we do this before? Haven't we been here before? The answer is some of us and fewer and fewer of us, and many have not. So that's why you, you do your best to try to erode that systemic racism, obvious racism, and unjust laws, no matter where you are. The, the, the fallacy is that you got to obey and follow the law, but if the law is unjust, then you got to go attack and, and chip away at it and still kind of like keep the collective lives that you do have and keep the energy up. Um, artists and culture have been um, prominent on doing those things, so we got to keep that up. But, you know, action comes from words, but what, what kind of action? What, what play are you calling that's going to lead you further into the, into the field instead of into the backfield and on your ass in the end zone on the other way? So um, I speak a lot of sports analogies. I speak <laughs> a lot of the terms that the average everyday person can understand. We probably got to use those analogies more often than not because if we, if we start sounding scientific on things, it, it, it tends to put – the masses to sleep, and that's what, you know, the powers that be want. They want the masses turned into them asses. They just move the M over. So mm -hmm. I'm an MC of notes, so when I speak very quick on analogies like that, some will get what I just said, some will catch it a little bit later, and some will totally miss it like a taxi cab in 1987. Chuck D is in a building, um, not physically because we're um, social distancing, and uh, how are you COVIDing? Good. I'm moving around. I ain't letting nobody know where I'm going and how I'm moving. But I, I would tell you this is that um, we've seen the convergence of citizens officially by governed law telling everybody, well, you got a netizen world, too. So you got to figure out your your rights as a netizen as your rights as a citizen because your physical could lock, get locked up for both. Mm. You can get locked up for doing something online as easy as getting locked up for doing something offline and feeding the prison industrial complex. Um, although I picked up a paper today and it said jail populations down. Well, the jail populations down because they, they figuring out the next stage to fill them up in another different way. And um, that's the monster story that we need to know of those that think, you know, or feel that they're woke, that you want to be able to continue to tell the monster tales of when they incarcerate you, when they lock masses of your people up, whether they're going to call it, uh, you know, um, these houses that are on the borderlines that they say, these, these camps, uh, or whether they're just going to lock you up for some petty BS crime that, that you have a quote-unquote record on. I, I think when it comes down to in, the insensitivities of policing in the United States of America, I think the point is it's been inconsistent, um, and it is inconsistent because it's based on counties, which are like plantations, is never one standard. And I think people are tired of the hypocrisy of being judged by how they look as opposed to the character of themselves being stopped for something. And when people see like somebody getting away with, with AKA murdering somebody and getting a slap on the wrist and then somebody getting pulled over for, for uh, a busted taillight and being accosted, I think that's been the normal narrative that the people said, get the F out of here, man. And that's what's been ticking people off. And that's what a lot of these people in the United States of America who just want to say 
protect the blue at all costs. Stop the errors, man. Stop the hypocrisy. Stop the lying, man, and get, come up with a standard that makes sense. I mean, it doesn't mean no to policing, because I've been to Africa quite a few times, and everybody's black on blue, black, black. So just saying that F the police in every country you go to over there, some police will knock your face off, but you still are a citizen of that particular, you know, territory or land. And that's the difference is that you're looked upon as being possible family. In the United States of America, we are not. As um, this political uh, engine moves towards November and we have a president that is looking at a third and a fourth term and lining up more Supreme Court justices to appoint and uh, pretty much is looking to to be a dictator, as you mentioned, a fascist. You supported Bernie Sanders during the primaries. Um, where are you now? Yeah. Um, a lot of your brethren in hip hop are withholding a vote and some are even running for president like Kanye. <laughs> yeah, I, I supported Bernie Sanders because of his ideal. I firmly believe in the United States of America. I think people that run 300 million people, I don't think it's a one-person job, especially for one over 65 years old. I believe in a voluntary uh, retirement after 65. But if you have somebody that retires after 65, that means your leadership body got to definitely come between that 40 and 60 zone. We had that last time around, and you see how they aged him. So how the hell somebody 78 years old going to come in their first year? A, they got they can't give a F. And so I was wise enough to know that, okay, you got Bernie Sanders, but you got to talk about the topics and, 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 and ideals. And not everything going to flow your way at all, if anything. But I do, do know that some of the issues that he was talking about, nobody else was talking about, child care, health care, and all that climate control. Well, those are some of the things going to be at the table of anybody. You just can't have somebody in the office, even if they, somebody comes along as a conspiracy theory and says, well, the president of the United, presidency of the United States is a benign person. Not necessarily so. You can go with the flow of evil and white supremacy and do mm-hmm. a lot of work. If you're trying to go against us, you're going to have, if you're trying to go to, uh, against uh, that, you're going to have a lot of opposition just to get and do the right thing. So, um, common sense of the matter that that was my support of that uh what he was talking about but really more importantly the green party i believe that nothing could come out of a two-party existence and i've always said that so somebody knew that this was kind of woke three days ago trying to you know uh, uh, attack what i thought about that particular time they listened too much with their eyes and i think that's a problem that's going on right now in this age that we live we listen too much with our eyes it's like the authorities could play three club money with your mind. But they uh, are. when it comes down to us thinking that you could jump in that position and just lead 300 million people a- a- across the world, I mean, yeah, you're going to fool somebody who wasn't born at a time when sense was common. But you are voting and you are advocating people vote in November. You're damn skippy. It's a okay, side that hates you versus a side. Look. It's the side that hates you versus the side that you're on. If you do the math, the math is real simple. You know, it's a one minus two equals minus one. You still got to do the math on what it is. You have fascism in your face with a gun right at your head with a thing on the trigger versus somebody who might trigger you out. Do the math on the time. And this is the time to not play around. 
So it's not the time to pontificate and try to get all in the philosophical ball of wax. Maybe if you've been doing it the last 20 years, but the average person, you have to think for them. You have to think for your surroundings. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. We're at, we're at the point, you have to think for your surroundings, not even think for just for yourself. The average person is going to look to you and say, okay, all right, cool. You, you missed the brainiac. You missed the do it all. You missed the superstar. How do I eat? So this is why um, I would say when it comes down to administration, government, um, the world at hand, it, it, you, you have to study it smarter than the sports pages. If you know running back stats and, and final four statistics of NBA players, you damn should know who, you know, who's running each and every country in this damn world. You should. You should. But yet we don't. And yet we don't. I'm mean, to tell you. I've been, a, I've been 116 countries, man. I'm just saying, every place I know that I'm going into, I better know something about where I'm going. I was in Indonesia. Indonesia law said, listen, do your songs. And I was there like last summer. Do your songs. Don't talk outside your songs. Now, in your heart, you're talking to Indonesian people about yin and yang or whatever. But you also have to pay attention to the law that you go to anywhere in this world. And they were like, yeah, if you go outside and talk to these people outside your songs, you're going to get dealt with by us. And we know damn sure that the United States government ain't going to come save you. So wherever you go in this world, you got to have your eyes open, your head open, and be woke. And in this country, this is a, a chance to at least be woke, not to have the, the, the worst inevitable thing happen. And I knew when I was voting for President Obama, eight years ago, and then um, 12 years ago, I knew that I wasn't voting for Jesus. I knew I wasn't voting for a Messiah. But what I was doing was buying time. And when you buy time, you could come up with a bunch of different things that strengthen your position in the world and your foundation in the world. And I think where we did, it, did that as, as, as people of color and black folk, it's not for me to say. I feel that we did not, but that was the climate of where we was and who we was at the particular time. Chuck D is here. Mr. Chuck D, you can follow him on the Twitters. If if I gave you all power right now to, to fix two things globally, what two things would you attack or fix? Everybody would speak the same language because language is the great divider of peeps. And when black folk go from the United States of America and barely can speak one language and then go to a place like Brazil where they speak an entire other language and by category, by categorization of, a, of, of racism, these are folks that, that would be 80 million while we, what, 30 million at that? <laughs> you got three times the amount of people who want to know truth to power, but they are forced to speak Portuguese as we speak kind of broken English and they speak broken Portuguese. So if I had that power that, that makes some common sense, it would be everybody would be on the same plane speaking the same language so we could understand each other a lot better to connect, and it would make the diaspora stronger, you know? What else? Well, number one, you know, that big building on the east side, on the East River in, in Manhattan, how long has that building been obsolete? You could, you could before the, the fear was holding a mirror up to the United States of America 
for his, his hypocrisy, slavery, and crimes, especially the black folk and our indigenous people here, mistakenly called the Indian. And they were at least at kind of fearful of that building called the United Nations. Well, over the last 20 to 30 years, the United Nations, that building is might as well be turned into condos. It's been deemed obsolete. And you got tyrants running around with no acknowledgement whatsoever other than the country they're from. But mm. Before, in the 60s and the 50s, coming after the Cold War and, and, and the other wars, so to speak, people realized that they had to tell the civilians of the planet that, you know, these these governments were for somewhat the people and had to keep the world in shape as, as opposed to destroying it. Well, what holds these countries in check? Where do they all meet up? Where do they all actually know that they got to come in and check their, their national egos at the door, their international egos at the door? There is no place. There used to be a, a sort of like the premise of a place or the illusion of a place right there in Manhattan on the eastern side around 42nd Street called the United Nations. If I had that power, that, that, that place, that, that, uh, that building and what would be inside it would not be irrelevant to the rest of the planet. It would right. actually have some kind of power. I mean, you think about Malcolm X bringing a case before them against the yep. United States of America. That, America. That, that can't shook, happen that, today. That, that, that shook a lot of situations in their boots, no matter where they was at. Mm. And Malcolm and Malcolm, you know, bringing the noise right uptown, you know, a hundred blocks uptown coming right down the United Nations. That distance between those two points, mm. when he covered that distance, that struck fear in the powers that be at that particular time. You're talking mid 1960s. So whether they it? constructed the United Nations to actually have power or put up the illusion of power, the fear was that people would see every single nation using it as the okie doke. But Malcolm was serious about taking it to that building and holding it up as a mirror. And as you're you're bringing that up, I'm thinking about the eight minutes and 46 seconds that the world saw because we were all COVIDed inside watching George Floyd Uh take his last breath and cry for his mother, his dead mother, and cry for his life. Um, uh-huh. it sparked something globally. It wasn't just an American thing. It wasn't just black people looking at something. You saw protests in Germany and in Great Britain and France and Switzerland. Uh-huh. You saw all over the world there are people that are having their, their a knee on their neck, figuratively, literally, and there was a commonality. There was an awakening throughout the diaspora that something is happening. And now we seem to be like going, you know, it's just a matter of time. Someone was saying when, when they start playing basketball again, it's all, it's a wrap. But I think that there is a global understanding that like you talked about that, that building that has no teeth, that building that's irrelevant, the United Nations, that in every nation you brought up Brazil, there's oppression in Brazil and, and horrors happening in Brazil and Venezuela. I mean, not Venezuela, uh, the Philippines and all over the, the country, all over the world. And there's no place to go. So I feel like there's something that's going to happen. But but that disconnect, the disconnect that people don't know what's going on there is what leads to the the disconnecting of the diaspora or the lessening of what they think the diaspora is as a threat. Just it being on its own two feet. The diaspora is everything to me as a black person who has traveled the world, not as thinking that it's just a privilege. Like I didn't go around looking at my passport as only a privilege. I kind of also looked like the nerve that I got to carry around these damn freedom papers 
And now the government has the authority to tell me where I can and where I can't go on this planet. And especially now when they just say, all right, for safety reasons, we're going to lock everybody down for a year. Okay, that leads, you know, conspiracy theories to run around rampant. But, yeah, it is places that you can go in the world and keep going in the world, but everybody needs to be kind of connected in the diaspora. This is why if anybody thinks we're going to make changes, overnight changes in the United States of America, uh, being chained only to the United States of America and cut off from the rest of the planet, understand this, that the rest of the planet is always looking on the outside, looking in. The United States of America is a 2,000 by 3,000 mile box that's smaller than the rest of the planet, always looking in. So then you got people around and said, damn, we look, used to look up to you, but, you know, you know y'all tripping there. How you let Trump get, get on, on y'all's watch? And this dude is successfully in his first term said, I'm going to cut the world off and I'm going to keep the United States as its own box. And so it's the hot box. And the fear is, is that the next four years, when it's a hot box, you know, what's the incendiary type of nature that explodes within the hot box? Mm. You're already seeing a scene where people already was locked in their own cribs as a hot box. Now locked in your own country as a hot box. You know, people around the world with technology and everything else, they see the minute by minute, play by play. So when Chauvin actually had his knee on Brother Floyd's neck, Everybody saw it play by play and reacted to it. Uh, you know, some of the some of the ways of the United States of America, as we as a people, I think we should act. We should understand that diaspora is more important to us than than the nationality here. Not to say that being a United States citizen is use, is something that you should just downplay like unimportant, but that diaspora is more important. Africa is not more unimportant. It's the saving grace to, to release you from the chains philosophically. Um, just have your mind, your senses more correct in thinking that you chained to one box and always going to be there because you were born there and going to die there. I mean, that's, the, that's just the way I feel. And so when it came down to that, to that atrocity, you know, it, it basically let everybody else in the world know, like, wow. This is going to happen. This is happening there. We're going to be mad for y'all. How about that? We're going to be mad for y'all. Best country, 116 countries. We're talking with Chuck D. Best country to be free. Best, the best place you've been to where you felt 100% yourself and free. I don't look at the world like that, Karen. The whole damn world is ours. Mm. North, south, east, west. Yes, I favor the southern hemisphere. I've, I've, I've had the best times and I had the uh, best arrangement of, uh, of folk I like in, in Africa, South America, and also, you know, like in South Pacific and Australia, New Zealand, and all that. I've had, I've had the clearer times there. But that doesn't mean, like, it's a better place than anywhere else on the whole planet. The whole key that, that I consider myself an earthercent, and I think culture, I think music sets us to be free as a universal language to make sure that we can share our ideals and all our similarities and knock the differences to the side. And governments like to split up, categorize, classify you into a little box. And that's just the way it is. And that's the way that they are. And white supremacy leads into that. So in my music, I, you know, I, if anybody I felt 
that I need to gravitate to more than anybody else is Bob Marley. Yes. All right. We have to make this a semi-regular thing, Chuck D. Um, yeah. I know this is your first time on this show. Um, but I, I know you keep... want to slap me. You want to slap me right no, now. I, no, I, I want to hug you. I want to kiss you. I want to love on you because, uh, you know, we need more more conversations around these things. And as I said, you know, before you got here, just before you got here, you know, this this is about truth finding. And we don't yeah. all, none of us have all of the answers, but we get them collectively. The answers, we have them all when collectively we right. come together and ask the right I, questions. And this is what I this believe, journey is about. I, well, I believe, Karen Hunter, that youth is leadership, but youth is not youth. And I think when we say youth, we, we, we're dis, disrespecting, we're downsizing that power. I believe that when somebody feels that they're grown to 18 years old in, this night, in the United States of America, they send their asses off the war to die. So adulthood starts at 18. They want to make it start at 16 and 15 as consumers. At 21, you have somebody who's been schooled enough to actually, damn, they almost lead a county or lead a city. If youth is taught leadership, then they realize they're not youth, and youth is not an excuse. When somebody goes up to somebody and says, oh, man, I, I don't think I, I think I'm too young. I said, you ain't too young. You ain't younger than everybody. You older than some. So I always play youth against youth to realize that youth ain't an excuse. But that's when I, you know, confront them on themselves. I believe leadership is in that area between 40 and 60. I believe the learning for leadership is in that area between 25 and 40. And leadership is basically leading situations forward not just thinking about your damn self and you always could play people against people you know like if somebody 15 years old feel that you know that they they young and they don't know enough then you play them against their 10 year old brother and sister said you want them to have the same rights you got they'll tell you no why because i earned mine (laughs) okay so everybody gets a situation where they earn something and actually could say okay now you're in charge of this person who ain't earned what you got um, those are basic foundations of, of any community where everybody is not going to always be in the glamour position. And if somebody's in that glamour position, they got to be taught to teach down too. And also teach that, you know, it ain't so much glamour as people think. It's, a, it's, it's ridiculous for people to think the athletes and entertainers are going to come up with solutions and the final answers. No, we get people to shake to the lights, but within those lights is the answer of people that spend their time to do that because they're doing that for other people at least that's the premise and you've been doing it you've been doing it i appreciate i know you. my role you you do and you play it life. you play it to perfection and you also inspire other people to 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 do the same and i just want to uh give you an open seat at this table anytime you want to drop in to talk about anything you can come here chuck d anytime cool i admire your show i admire everybody listening to your show and I admire everything that you do, Karen Hunter, to, to, to be able to add some light. Everybody can add some light, you know? Absolutely. So uh, that's that. Thank you. Chuck D, y'all. Yeah. Mr. Chuck D, follow him. He'll be back. Yeah.